0: What's up kinfolk? We have to talk about Nick Saban announcing his retirement on Wednesday, not 2 days after the National Championship. I am RJ Young. This is a very special emergency episode of the Number 1 College Football Show. Thank you for listening on the podcast or watching this wherever it is that you get us. Now, let's get right to the reaction that I had, which was probably the same that you had. Complete shock and awe that one of the Titans in the sport has announced his retirement from the profession on this Wednesday after his team had just won the SEC championship, knocked Georgia off that perch, stopped Georgia from winning 29 straight in that conference, made the college football playoff, and then lost in overtime to eventual national champion Michigan. And we went into this thinking, okay, Alabama's got a really great football team coming back. They're very young. Jalen Miller is going to have just this really great year ahead of him after getting all those kinks and his mistakes made in 2023, and that has all come to a halt. I also need to add here that this announcement came just a couple of hours after Pete Carroll announced that he would no longer be on the sideline for the Seattle Seahawks, and he is moving to the front office. Both of those men, I don't think coincidentally, are 72 years old, and we still don't know what's going to happen with New England coach Bill Belichick, who is 71 years old. So I, like you, am rather shocked by this, and I'm also thinking... How is the rest of the college football world going to take this news? Of course, some people are going to make jokes about this and make jokes about what this means for Alabama, who they should be the coach for, uh, the next head coach, and I'm going to talk about that as well. I think that more than anything else, I'm going to be watching how the players react to this because that gets me straight into what does this mean for Alabama, and that is the most interesting part of this discussion for me as— We talk about Nick Saban, who has won seven national championships, who's been coaching since 1971, who has lived through every single major change the sport has seen from the postseason to playing 12 regular season games to the advent of the transfer portal to name, image, and likeness And all he's done is win. But that has also been the calling card of the University of Alabama. It is a place where they demand that you win. And if you don't win, they will fire you very, very quickly. Quickly, the the state of Alabama is built around Alabama football. And since 2007, when Saban first took that job, all the university has done is make more money, seen better students and really become one of the class universities in the country. And that's tied directly to the football team being outstanding, being what we've never seen before at this level, at least being this dominant, having won six national championships since 2007. Now, Greg Byrne who is the athletic director at Alabama, has the unenviable task of identifying the next head coach at Alabama where Saban's shadow is larger than anything else they're ever going to experience in their life. And I'm not being facetious or talking over the top. If anything, I'm underselling how big a job this is. I also think that if you are Greg Byrne, you have been preparing for this moment for quite some time because that's your job. Your job is to be able to set go when something like this happens and you don't get to tell Nick, give me a minute. You don't get to tell Nick, hey, calm down. Do you want to talk to me about this some more? No, you have to be able to go forward with this. And I think first, let's identify that not just Nick Saban is retired, but defensive coordinator Kevin Steele is retired. Now, Steele had been a part of Saban's staff before and spent the last year as defense coordinator. But now with both of those guys deciding to retire, the highest ranking member of the Alabama coaching staff is the offensive coordinator. And that is 31-year-old Tommy Reese, who has gone from being one of the it guys in the sport. Still is one of the it guys in the sport. But that's not how he's being seen on January 9th like he was being seen on January 8th. Or I should say January 10th when we were, when we were recording this. But I think the point to raise there is he's gone from, okay, cool. I know that Jalen is back. I know that we're going to be pretty good at the skill positions, even a little bit more experience. We're going to try to defend this SEC title and the new 16-team SEC, and now his chief responsibility is keeping kids from jumping into the portal at the University of Alabama, and that might be an impossible task because I cannot tell you how many players have chosen Alabama because of Nick Saban and Nick Saban alone, and I say this because Saban has traded out offensive and defensive coordinators Like many of us do when we're playing Madden, when we're playing FIFA with other players. Like we play fantasy football and it still works. He is the thing that Alabama football is built around for the last 16 years. And now if you're Tommy Reese, you're trying to A, remind them that, hey, we're all in this together at the University of Alabama. And it don't work if we ain't got no players, to which the players are going, not my problem, dog. I want to play for Coach Saban. Nobody gets to play for Coach Saban now. I have to look at my options. So I would expect to see a number of players put their name into the portal that otherwise would not have if Nick Saban was going to coach in 2024 at the University of Alabama. I think that there are quite a few places that we could go with what else does this mean with Alabama. But the next thing on my mind, frankly, is who is going to inherit this space that is going to be left vacant and void? by the University of Alabama, like Georgia has its own perch over here, right? I don't expect to hear Kirby Smart say anything other than I expect to be the next head coach or remain the head coach at Georgia, right? Not the next head coach at Alabama. But we've been thinking about Alabama as this juggernaut, this immovable wall, this object that we cannot overcome for 16 years. And now it fastly looks like it could go back to what it was when I was in high school, which is we didn't really think about the University of Alabama. I only had the stories of Bear Bryant and some about Gene Stallings, but never was I fearful of Alabama. Are we going to be afraid of them? And who is going to really take up for this? Who is going to benefit from Nick Saban not being the head coach at Alabama? And, you know, the more I think about this, the more I think we got a number of candidates here, right? Like if Nick Saban was not the head coach at Alabama last year, does Florida State get into the college football playoff? This is a retrospective, right? That's what we're doing now. We're asking What does Nick Saban being a part of that university mean to the sport? And how do those things continue to fall? Now, as I am thinking about this, I have to mention who I think should get a look to be the next head coach at Alabama, as we're talking about, who could fill that void, right? But also, if that void's going to still be there. So let's go through some names really quickly that I had written down. And you can check out this piece at FoxSports.com that I wrote in reaction to Nick Saban announcing his retirement, but the first name that I have on this list is I think an obvious one, Clemson coach Dabo Sweeney, who gave Tyler from Spartanburg the how now and the what for because they weren't as good as they had been in previous years. Now it turns out Clemson got off the schneid, went had a 9-win season beating SEC foe uh, in Kentucky and really is set themselves up to be really good in the ACC, but we all know that Dabo Sweeney's story begins at the University of Alabama. We know that everything about his get down screams the University of Alabama. And we know that he told Tyler from Spartanburg, Hey, you can apply for the job as Clemson head coach anytime you want. And if I'm not wanted at Clemson, I'll go somewhere where I am. You know, I think that Alabama would be such a place because not only is he a great football coach, he would bend right into that void left by Saban. I think he's got shoulders broad enough. To not just be able to coach in that environment, but to be confident enough to keep Saban not just around, but his memory. And really try to lay over the top what he knows about coaching football at Clemson with what they got going on at Alabama. I think that would be a home run. It's just whether or not Dabo would be willing to leave a place like Clemson, which he turned into a juggernaut. Another thing to really underscore there. We did not think about Clemson at all. Like, we forgot that Alabama was good. We didn't think about Clemson at all. Until Dabo Sweeney got there and started winning 9, 10, 11, 12, 15 games, two national championships. That's the guy that I would make a phone call first to. As I said uh, on Twitter, I told Greg Byrne, you're reading this tweet, dog. You've read too far. You should be on the phone with Dabo right damn now. So that's number one. Number two on the list for me is Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. Dan Lanning has done more to impress me with how he is able to manage stress and manage opportunities than any other young head coach in the sport today. I mean, uh, I don't mind saying it. Dan Lennon and I are the same age, right? And yet and still, he is the guy saying, no, I got got my big boy britches on. I know what I said. I know what I'm capable of, and I know what our team can do, right? We got to see this uh, when they played Colorado, and we got to see it again when they played Washington. We got to see it again when they made the Pac-12 championship and one more time in the Fiesta Bowl. But also in there, he has been able to create a program at Oregon that can survive coordinator switches, right? So he lost Kenny Dillingham to Arizona State's head coach. He hires Will Stein. Nothing changes. They're still great. They're still pretty doggone good. Tosh Lapoy, a former defense coordinator at Alabama, defense coordinator at Oregon, right? Dan Lenny obviously was a GA for Saban and was a DC for Kirby Smart. That feels like a really great hire if you can make it happen. And I don't know that he would be listening, but if he is and Dabo says no, that's the guy that you got to try to get. One of the last things that I wanted to tell you about Dan Lanning that impressed me was producer Tyler was in Vegas for the Pac-12 media days. And one of the things that always sticks out to us is who shows up as they're moving from room to room. Dan Lanning was his own man. Didn't have an SID with him, didn't have players with him. He said, hey, you guys ready for me? And he sat down, he did the interview. I gotta tell you, there are not a lot of guys that are willing to do such a thing. And yet that man carries it because he knows who he is And he knows what he's capable of. Another man that you would need in a place like Alabama following the departure of Nick Saban. Third on the list for me is Washington head coach Kalen DeBoer, who is followed around by winning. I don't say that he follows winning around. I say winning follows him. He won at every single level he's coached at from NAIA to Group of Five to Power Five to the last Pac-12 champion that we're going to see for some time to make it in the national championship game at Washington. I think that what he was able to do with Michael Penix Jr. over the last couple of years and Ryan Grubb has been outstanding. Also, let's add in here, Ryan Grubb was a guy that Nick Saban wanted to get down to Alabama before eventually setting on Tommy Reese. If you could pick that staff up, take him over to Alabama, make that fit for them, I think it's okay. But that dude coming from not just the Pacific Northwest, but the Dakotas, we'll see, right? I honestly believe that if they could get him, they would take him. I think that we're talking about a man that understands how to build programs. And I love his line during the lead-up to the NAV championship. He said, some guys are born on third base. I learned a lot going around the bases. Man after my own heart, right? Had to earn it everywhere he goes. So nothing is too big for him. And he understands the value of work and how hard it is to achieve winning at a high level. Fourth on the list, again, an obvious one but perhaps not the one that Alabama fans are thinking about in Lane Kiffin, head coach at the University of Mississippi, former coordinator at Alabama. Now, Lane's thing is to be on the tweets. He's very 21st century, right? He is the heir apparent to Mike Leach. And as far as he's going to be entertaining, he's going to say some stuff that's off the wall, but he's also going to win a bunch of football games. He put together the first 11-win season at Ole Miss in over 100 years just last year. And they have consistently been a double-digit winning program over the last couple of years. Not an easy thing to do at the University of Mississippi. And the reason that is Alabama's over there, so is Georgia. One of the things that Mississippi has never had and will never had is the kind of success and the kind of buy-in that they have at the University of Alabama. It's why Kiffin was out the door to Auburn not just last year because they also had shown – hey, we can win a national championship in the 21st century. We have people that want it that bad and we will allow you to do whatever is necessary to win those football games. I don't know that they got that at Ole Miss because frankly, they've never needed it at Ole Miss. So if you get down the list, Greg Byrne, and you get to Lane Kiffin, he says, yes, I think they're going to be okay. I don't know that they're going to be national champions, but they're certainly not going to be bad. And if nothing else, they're going to be entertaining. It probably would become Fastly one of the most entertaining programs in the sport because every other word would probably be Lane Kiffin telling some story about Coach Saban or Coach Saban being around. I don't expect that man to just go away. His Mercedes-Benz dealership is down the street. it has got one in Birmingham. I would love to see what happens if Lane Kiffin got that job. And the last guy on the list that I think we need to talk about is at Miami right now. And that is one Mario Cristobal. Cristobal got everything the hard way, right? Great offensive line coach and a better recruiter and fiery in his leadership. Now, the one thing that I got against Mark Mario Cristobal that I think other people do too is his game time decision-making ain't always on par. There's some things that we would like to see somebody else make the decision for. But when you're talking about putting together a roster, putting together an outstanding coaching staff and having guys that believe they can win at a high level, Mario Cristobal foots the bill for that. I'm not including Kirby Smart here because that's just asinine. I'm not including Deion Sanders here because that's just asinine. But those five that I've just listed for you, Dabo Sweeney, Dan Lanning, Kalen DeBoer, Lane Kiffin, and Mario Cristobal are five guys that I think could do a great job given what Nick Saban is leaving behind and what Alabama expects in 2024. All right, one more note. We do have a show that is coming out on Thursday. It is the 10 things that I'm looking forward to in the 2024 season. And this ain't in it, okay? Because we recorded that show before this news. So bear in mind that we did not discuss this topic because we couldn't see into the future. All right, we'll be back live next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern on the YouTubes, wherever you get your live broadcast. until then, I just want to say thank you to the staff that showed up to help us produce the show in a hurry. And I am very curious to see what happens next in this saga around one Nick Saban. All right. That is going to do it for me. Dosis.